Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson in for GND today on The Fan. Guys will be back in tomorrow. Happy to welcome in now on the BetQL guest line, Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be uh, uh, you know, on with you on, on this very slow off-season period where there's absolutely nothing to talk about. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> um, so what's your favorite Halloween? No. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's let's start with the stadium um, because that you have been on top of this as much as anybody, uh, it, especially the Virginia side of things, which makes sense uh, with the State House being in your, your hometown and all down there in Richmond. Um, by the way, simulcast today in Richmond. So if you want to, if you once you're done, if you want to listen on on your radio box, you can. Just just want to let you know that Central Virginia. Absolutely nine nine ten. The fan, uh, you know, fired up down here and uh, enjoy the show. No matter where you are, it's it's, it's a good time. Uh, the Virginia Legislature uh, is continuing to sprint this thing towards the finish line. So you know they. they Virginia wants it the most, I think, is your main takeaway in this stadium debate. That's not to say Virginia is the best place or it's going to end up in Virginia, but the Virginia government wants it more than D.C. and Maryland want it. And, and they've, they've communicated that through the whole process these last few years, and they're communicating it now very tangibly with this bill, which they're running through the legislature, which would provide up to a billion dollars of state support. billion with a B is obviously a very real, very big number. Uh, you know, neither other locality has matched that so far. Now, we can talk about all the drawbacks. There are, of course, drawbacks. You know, they, they want it out in the burbs. They want it out in Loudoun County or Prince William County. Um, you know, that, that disconnects from the team, and it's, it's downtown. You know, the RFK site, of course, is very popular. It disconnects from what they've got going in Maryland. You know, it essentially abandons that state. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Virginia government really wants this team to build the stadium there uh and and there don't appear to be any major obstacles between here and there in terms of getting it done so we hear we hear all about like virginia wanting it obviously to an extent dc you know bowser said like it you know they belong in dc and maryland just put together this plan over the over the weekend is when i saw a story i'm sure it happened late last week um that and it, and it got leaked slash announced over the over the weekend that uh, they've got a plan now that they're planning on presenting. What does the team want? Like, not just like w- what do they want sentimentally? What are they looking for in terms of support? What are they looking for in terms of land? Like, what is what is the ideal future of the Washington Commanders Stadium site and uh, surrounding area? Sure. So there's two motivations here for Dan Snyder, and and you know we we're all cynical at, uh, about all this, and you know it's all driven by money. But I, I really honestly believe. There's, there's two missions, and one's not necessarily higher than the other. One is to make money, of course, and, and we've discussed that ad nauseum. It will make a lot of money. Um, you know, they're going to put a lot of supporting stuff around it, restaurants, performing venues, uh, you know, it, just, just a whole little mini village of, uh, of things, which is certainly in vogue right now in the NFL. But the second thing is, and Dan Snyder knows this, this is a legacy-defining project. This is, you know, for, for all the things that we beat him up for, he did not – pick the FedEx field site and he did not build FedEx field. He inherited that. That's not, you know, those problems have been tagged to him over the years, but they're not inherently his problems. He didn't pick it. He knows this is his one shot at creating his legacy defining project. Something's going to stand for 30 years. The people will go not just to football games at, but you know, you, you would hope final fours and college football games and WrestleManias and, you know, big concerts, things of that nature uh, and he understands that, that this is big. And I, I think he also understands, you know, as well as anybody understands, 
the appeal of the RFK site and the RFK nostalgia and, and the importance of being in the city. And, and I think if all things were available and on the table, I really think he'd leave behind the money in Virginia and build at RFK. I, I think it's important enough to him and he knows how important it is to the fan base in the city and the community and even himself as the steward of that legacy to be there. But we're not on an equal playing field here and we're not in an all things equal stage. I mean, you, you know, when it comes down to it, it could cost as much as two to three billion dollars more out of his own pocket. You know, if that land even becomes available to him, which which is not a guarantee at all. So it, it's you know, there's a lot of obstacles there. And if you're talking about, you know, can they scale those obstacles? Is, is that doable? I'm not entirely sure it is. And if it's not, then I think you got to go to the second question, which is how do we make the most money out of this? And I think right now, you know, Virginia's got a more appealing offer in the table than Maryland. I, I think there were a lot of people excited about the potential of National Harbor uh, and certainly hearing that the Maryland proposal revolves around the FedEx land and Landover. I think it's going to take some sale out, out of those folks. Um, I just think it's not an exciting piece of land to develop. I mean, you mentioned a lot uh, about Dan's legacy and his vision for the for for what the stadium is going to be like. Does the vision change? Obviously, the location does if it's in Virginia. But what does it look like? What do you think he wants this place to look like? What are the the things that he needs to kind of make this something that he's proud of for the next thirty years? Yeah, and you know, you, you look at the new projects that have sprouted up over the NFL over the last few years. I, I think obviously with the Super Bowl just being in LA, that was a huge you know focal point on what they did there. That that is that is the outlier. Like, I mean, you know, that was more expensive than any other stadium, more lavish than any other stadium. But it accomplished a lot of the goals that everybody's com- coming to the table with now. Uh, if you think about kind of when Jerry World opened, that reset the bar on what a stadium could be. But Jerry World sits in the middle of a giant parking lot. You know, that that's kind of not true of the newest stadiums. L.A.'s got a whole village around it of restaurants, shopping, dining. Uh, the Atlanta Braves just opened a new stadium. Same thing. They want you to you know, not just go there on game day, but go there on other days. So, you know, go go see concerts there. You know, they'll have training camp practices there. Um, you know, other things there, high school football, you know. Um, I, I would fully expect it to have a retractable roof um, or, or a permanent roof even potentially, you know, depending on the design and the location. Um, so I, I think that's something fans probably need to, to come around on now is that uh, this isn't going to be uh, – NFC East football and the elements, I, I think they're going to build a building that's designed to be a 365-day-a-year facility that, that can handle a lot of action. I think the fact that you insulted the Walmart across from Jerry World is just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I my, my favorite every year is, so, so they park the media in that Walmart, as you know. Uh, right. that, that's, where, that's where our parking is, and, and we're often there on Thanksgiving. Uh, for for the game, I'm sure we will be again this year because it's, it's the Fox game again. Um, and you know, when you're leaving the stadium, you know, you're leaving the stadium about nine ten o'clock on Thanksgiving night after we wrap up. You can go over to the Walmart parking lot, and there's people lined up for Black Friday for the like twenty dollar TVs. That's always one of my favorite scenes of the year. Is you got the Cowboys fans filing out and the the twenty dollar TV fans piling in. You know, that is a Michael Phillips story waiting to happen. I just <laughs> I can't believe, frankly, that you haven't uh, written that one yet. Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch is with us here on the fan. Michael and all of our guests today on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Now, as of now, Dan Snyder still is in charge of all of that, but it does seem for the first time that there's actual momentum 
working against him. Like he, it just seemed like he was standing there and, and you know, the, the water would just pass him by. But it seems like with, with this newest revelation, with some of Roger Goodell's comments, that there's actually some momentum that at least he might have some unflattering things come out that he's got to answer for in a way that he certainly has not through everything through the Wilkinson investigation and, and, and all of that, even though the NFL is still standing strong on not releasing any kind of report from that. What, where, or like, where are you now with the possibility that Dan Snyder might have to answer for things publicly and ultimately that there could be some kind of real punishment for him up to and including him being forced to sell? Yeah, I don't think we need the BetQL folks to know that Dan Snyder being forced to sell the team is a massive underdog. I mean, just Absolutely. the odds of that, the odds of that happening remain incredibly remote. I, I, I continue to see no indication the owners would turn on one of their own uh, voluntarily. But I, I, I think you're absolutely correct that, that something's coming. I, you know, and I, I think for a lot of fans, that something won't be satisfying because anything less than selling the team isn't going to be satisfying. Um, but but I, I do think there's going to be a something because, I, you know, you're talking about the U.S. House sniffing around here, potentially getting a hold of these documents. Uh, you know, Roger Goodell doesn't want to go testify on Capitol Hill about what he knows and, and you know, what this report said that, that they've hidden. And that's certainly the direction we're, we're heading. And I, I think Goodell, you know, representing the other owners, that's his job, would much rather throw Dan Snyder under the bus than have a three-week circus of, you know, news headlines about the NFL not being able to get its people under control. So I, I don't think they would hesitate for a second to throw him under the bus in that scenario. What can they do? What will they do? I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sold that, that, that a lot's going to be able to get across the line, you know, whether that's formalizing a suspension and, and you know, leaving Tanya in charge for a year. I think that's probably in play, but I, I continue to think it's just incredibly unlikely that the owners turn against one of their own and, and have, have that vote make him sell. I have a totally random question, one that you may or may not know the answer to, but I, I don't understand this from like a legal perspective. Why is the House involved in this? Like, why isn't this just kind of a local, you know, government municipality issue? Yeah, and you, and you remember that question was asked a lot when they involved themselves in the baseball steroid pursuit right. a few yeah. years ago. That was kind of the last major sports story they were in on. And there was blowback on that as there is now. Hey, why are they sticking their nose in, in sports as business? Don't they have more more important things to worry about. The, the heads of the committee who spoke the other day said, you know, our job is to make sure there are safe and functioning workplaces in America. If we see something go wrong in a private workplace, that is essentially our business. You think about, you know, when the Boeing planes crash, they drag the Boeing executives in there. They bring Facebook in there for their tongue lashings every now and then. Now, nobody will deny that's a lot of theater, but, you know, over time, they've certainly crafted their mission uh, to, to be the, the group that sticks their nose in, into private enterprise and, and tell them how to do their job. Now, you know, certainly a lot of that is theater, but, you know, it's kind of become the accepted norm of that House committee to, to moderate, um, you know, private business when they sense it, it's stepping over the line or, or creating unsafe workplaces. Yeah, I had, I had Jerry Connolly, who was the local Virginia rep, on who was on that House Oversight Committee back in December, and, and it is the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, so it, it is their job to be kind of the public watchdog. Uh, and so it's not like the full house. It's not like everyone's out there throwing stuff. It's it's just one committee that is that is meant to be a public watchdog. And what he said is it, it's 
you know, it, it's the NFL not only is a multi-billion dollar business and one of the largest businesses in America that needs, you know, that that is going to be up to that kind of scrutiny, but because of the cultural significance of football that because it is in the spotlight that it's going to be held to a high standard to say like, Hey, yeah, this is a place that people should be able to go to work and not fear uh, sexual harassment, et cetera. And the types of things that, that the women who have come forward and some of whom testified in a round table literally last, last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was felt um, when, when they were at work in Ashburn. But why isn't it like a prosecutor? Why isn't it like, I guess that's the thing to me is it, it just seems like all this kind of pomp and circumstance, but why not take like true legal action if there is a legitimate issue in the workplace? Yeah. And, they, and you know, they, they govern by shame more than they govern by policy. So, you know, it's, you know, the, the end of it, the end of this is not criminal repercussions for, for Dan or, or the team, but you know, it, it, a lot of these just end with kind of these people being publicly shamed. You know, it's not not quite like British style where they make them stand up and everybody yells at them. You more know, like, more like Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, that that's kind of that's the bully pulpit that they they use is they you know they they bring these people out on TV and they they shame them for a few minutes and then uh, then then we all move on with our lives. Yeah, and there there's certain rules and regulations around all that stuff too. Obviously, you know, statute of limitations, right. and you know, it's actually would be probably civil litigation instead of criminal right. litigation. Um, if someone wanted to pursue some kind of like if there was a one particular victim that wanted to pursue criminal uh, charges against one particular perpetrator, you could have that as well. But kind of because it's the on the organizational level is why it goes to house oversight. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, I'll toss in one more point on the issue as, as long as we got time, which is you know a lot of this is that the, you know, a lot of these women did settle with the team with non-disclosure agreements to agree not to talk. And I, I think a major point of, of the House investigation is, you know, uh, the Democrats in particular, one of their platform planks is that non-disclosure agreements should be blanket made illegal so that these people can share their stories, share what's going on um, in their workplaces. Now, I, I don't know. I can't speak to whether or not that has a chance of ever actually happening or not. But I do know one of the major focuses of this hearing will be why are these women prohibited from telling their stories as a result of settling their litigation? Michael Phillips, Richmond Times Dispatch with us here on The Fan. Uh, so the other two major stories, I guess, floating around this team, uh, quarterback and uh, this this new name that they have. Uh, and and I, I, I'm sure you saw today the Post, um, you know, has this new, new poll citywide in D.C. The name Commander's incredibly unpopular since the the name was revealed, have have you been able to Wait, uncover? Wait, seriously, it's unpopular. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're you're. Uh, well, I guess you're not on Twitter, but your Instagram feed has been uh, just glowing reviews. But Michael, as you as you and everybody's been reporting on this story since the name came out, have have you uncovered any new details on how they ultimately landed on this name that nobody seems to like? Well, I, and, you know, I don't know that great names were available when you talk about the circumstances of doing this and obviously changing away from you know, let's call it what it is, a name that remains popular with a large section of the fan base and that, that they wish they hadn't done this in the first place. So, you know, I, I don't know the popular options were available. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's generic. It doesn't doesn't have a lot of zing or juice to it. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I fault them for that. But I, I think the bottom line is, I mean, this is just, this is a product that has not captivated the fans. You know, forget the name. It's a product that needs to captivate the fans again. I think the last year, you know, this town was juiced up for some football. I, I would argue it was 2012 with Robert Griffin III. That's not 10 years in the rearview mirror. 
and not to say there weren't successful seasons or playoff seasons between here and there, um, but but the the product as a whole has been pretty unsatisfying. And I I think when you take a poll and you say you know what do you think of the name Commanders, I don't think there people are reacting just to the name Commanders. I think people are reacting to a team that's been less than great has limped into a couple playoff bursts, a stadium experience that is, you know, certainly one of the worst in the league and all the off the field stuff. I don't think people can separate those two things when they form their opinion, you know, about a brand or, 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 you know, a name or anything like that. So I don't know that a win was available to them, um, you know, but I, I, I do, I do think, I do think it's landed largely with the thud, but I don't think that's unfixable forever. I, I think people would come around under the right circumstances. So uh, that leads to quarterback, and Logan and I are going to get into quarterbacks next. At this Good. point Thank in the you process, for solving that. We yeah, appreciate it. You know, it. It's, it's, a, it's a multi-year investigation that we've secretly been uh, <laughs> doing that's going to uncover the results next of what we should do. Uh, so your final prediction before we uncover this whole thing. No, at this point in the process, <laughs> combine next week, some of the early senior bowl type of stuff in, and also some of the... So maybe some more clarity on some of these veterans. Uh, right. uh, you know, it, it looks like Russell Wilson might be a lot harder to pry away than than initially thought. Where are you in, in terms of prediction of, of how Washington acquires a quarterback and, and who that might be? Yeah, there's absolutely no question they want one of the big four veterans. Now, I'm calling it the group of the big four veterans. That That's Rodgers, Wilson, um, and, and I'm going to put Derek Carr in that group as well, and then Deshaun Watson. You know, I, I think those are the four guys who you bring them in and you say there's instant credibility here. This is a team that instantly is, is, is a, you know, if not a favorite to make the playoffs, you know, at least on track to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, they want one of those guys. Ron has communicated that clearly. But there, there's a reason it's hard to get those guys. They don't want to give them up. Look at Seattle and Russell Wilson. Russell wants out. He's doing it like NBA guy thing where he's asking for a trade discreetly every third day or whatever. But with what's Seattle going to do with five first-round picks? They're going to try to find Russell Wilson. Well, why did you do that trade? You have Russell Wilson. You don't, you don't give up guys like that. It's just not something that, that savvy franchises do. And so, you know, I, Deshaun Watson and his stuff set aside, I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Now, could they go in the middle? Could they go with, sure, Garoppolo or Trubisky, you know, name your guy who you feel good about today. Yeah, but I think Ron understands that's not exciting. I just don't think that's exciting for the fan base. I think you're far better at that point putting your eggs in the rookie basket, saying here's an exciting young kid. We're going to develop around him. You know, it's going to take an extra year. Um, but, but the net result is we might have something really good instead of just some more duct tape thrown at this thing. And I, I've been a Malik Willis fan since day one, but I do that with, this, with the giant caveat, he ain't ready. He's probably not going to be ready in year one. You got to know that going in, and it's a tough spot for Ron, who's going to be under a lot of pressure to take this defense to the next level, take this team to the next level this year. Can you really stomach getting in front of everybody and saying, I know you're excited. I know we got Chase Young in this great defensive line, but we're a year away from being a year away. It's a tough sell as an NFL coach where every game's you know just a referendum on everything. I mean that that's something that always I find really frustrating, and I you know because I was on the other side of it is like there is a right decision here, and you just said drafting a young quarterback, Malik Willis has this tremendous upside. All of these things are true, but 
you're contending with like the mob. You're contending with fans, right? And to me, I, I just don't understand that. That's something that I, I'm super frustrated with because the right decision is something you just laid out. You get a guy that's a bridge guy. You bring in a young guy. You hope you hit. If you don't, you do the process again. But because of these time restrictions, right? Because of the time restriction on Ron specifically, that's never going to happen. And I, I, I find it incredibly frustrating that the coach can't just do what he thinks is best for the organization. Ooh, sounds like we got some good radio cooking, Craig. <laughs> uh, well, I guess people should stay tuned to flush out these thoughts. <laughs> but next. seriously, though, I mean, like for real, like no, I, no, I, I, I'm with you, and that, that's why I think when you look at successful dynasty franchises, you know, Bel, Belichick can do the smart long-term play. You know, he kind of he booted on last year, you know, to free up salary cap and start running up the hill again. You look at the Steelers, of course. You know, they don't operate under any sort of short-term pressure. The Packers, same way. I think the best team, you know, the Seahawks have been a great team under Pete Carroll. I think teams where that stability is granted are often, you know, the smartest people. You look at what Belichick did for so long where he'd call coaches on the hot seat and say, hey, you want my fifth-round draft pick this year? Yeah, great. Just give me your fourth-round pick next year, you know. And he just accumulates and accumulates and accumulates because he can do that and they can't do that. And, and yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, I think the savvy ownership groups know that, you know, providing that stability is the only way to get the job done. I mean, is there any way for this organization to do that outside of winning? I mean, I think you hit something interesting there when you said, oh, they need to bring in like one of these high priced guys because it's exciting. But then you handcuff yourself for the next four years with this contract that can't build a roster around it. Is there any other way besides winning at this moment? Because you can't win in the offseason. You know, well, you can't win any games. And I'd say this about, you know, this is not a team that's performed well in the first round of the draft over the last yeah, 10 true. years. And that's, that's been a real issue for them. You know, let's, let's look at this history and you've got, you know, obviously the Robert thing speaks for itself, but then going forward, you know, what is, I think as we get closer to the draft, one of the real debates will be, do you want to use the 11 overall pick on a quarterback or a middle linebacker, a quarterback of the defense, you know, arguably the two most important positions, but what that overlooks is, They've used first-round picks on both of those positions in the last few years, and it hasn't panned out. And if you're not hitting in the first round, life gets a lot more difficult really quickly. Michael Phillips, with great perspective as always. You can read him in the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Follow him on Twitter as well. Get the links to all of his stories and all of his bits. Very important, all of the bits. Absolutely. Thank you for acknowledging and, uh, that. Michael, you can now uh, <laughs> hang up your cell phone and listen on the radio because we, again, are simulcast in Richmond today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll lock it into 910 The Fan. You guys have a good one. Beautiful. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. All right, it. that's Michael Phillips on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. All right, when we get back, let's expand on those thoughts. The quarterbacks, Logan has taken a look at them. He has a good early read. Of course, we are still in the process. Uh, but Senior Bowl in the books uh, and a chance to watch some tape, some time elapsed in the books from the end of the college football season. So let's get into these quarterbacks next. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, and for Grant Danny. This intro is so much longer than I want it to be. I'm like waiting for the beat drop. And welcome back. <laughs> Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. 
Ryan. Ryan. I saw, I saw Ryan you. I was like waiting it. for it. It's, I also caught Ryan with his mouth full of food. Just absolutely, so far, the 4.30 segment is off to a flying start. What are you eating right now? Some salted cashews. Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> a little salted. protein in there. Yeah. No, really, uh, really not a high-protein nut, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, nuts, great. Never, never, never go for nuts as your, uh, your protein source. I Do mean, I. you can. They're relatively to other stuff, like the chips, better. But, exactly. But better like than barbecue chips. Sure. I'm not saying, and also, nuts are, nuts are great. But to like... Yeah, yeah. There's not like, think about this, like 10 or 20 almonds, right? Or like 10 almonds, are like 200 calories, you get like six grams of protein, you get three grams of fiber though. Everyone likes that. Sure. But that relatively is not that much. Yeah. Just, just go fun fact. Beef. If you want protein, go for the beef jerky. How oh. many, how many calories are in that bag real quick? 480. Yeah. So don't eat that whole bag. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of it's calories. Like a, it's like a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> what have what have more calories? That bag of almonds or uh, or salted cashews or my lunch from Kava? What was your lunch from Kava? It was uh, it was just a greens and grains bowl. Probably that. Actually. Probably probably the nuts. Yeah, maybe. Oh, the greens and grains. I'd stack it up pretty good. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, it depends on how much sauces you're putting on. It, there. it depends on how much rice they put in on put in it. That today. is true. It's multifactorial, is what they call yeah. that. Yeah, it's hard to hard to isolate. Also, I did, the get the, I did get the vinaigrette, so it's a nice little olive oil. Okay, so that that will that's, that's probably like 120. Yeah, yeah. No big deal, though. I you mean, know what's more interesting than this? Quarterback. I'm really fired up about this conversation, actually, but that just shows you what a loser I am. So <laughs> let's talk about it's quarterbacks. A sh- it's a shame that this show isn't a regular show because that's that's what we call a promo clip. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to what you were saying with Michael at the end of the last segment. Right. Right. Like, what's your what's your pain point when it comes to forget any individual quarterback, but the general the general quarterback situation specifically with the Washington Commanders, but really even fan bases across the NFL and with teams across the NFL. Yeah, so I think the big issue, and it's, it, and it's amplified this offseason because there's no like great free agent, middle free agent available. So basically what you run into is you run into Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, um, Watson, I guess, if he's available, barring all the legal stuff. And then who's the other quarterback? Derek Carr. Derek Carr just came out and said he wants $40 million a year. $40 million a year for a quarterback who is, I'd say maybe top 12 in the NFL. And the big question about him is, can he elevate your roster? And I would say, yes, he can elevate it, but he can't elevate it at 40 million a year. If you're getting him at 25, 30 million a year, you can fill in the positions that this team needs, but at $40 million a year, you can't do it. You look at those other positions, right? You know, if Wilson came here, Rogers maybe is the only one at a, at a premium payment that could make this roster better, but you basically are saddled or yoked with this extremely insane quarterback contract and you can't build the team around them. And most quarterbacks, most barring Peyton, uh, Brady, Breeze, they need a team around them to be successful, right? So fans get excited about the big name signing, not understanding the longitudinal consequences of that big signing. I think I think they kind of do, but you, you're missing out on basically another superstar and then the entire middle of your roster. So you go from having like a nice flushed out middle of your roster. So think of these guys like your like your Jerron Payne, the guy that's going to need to be re-signed here in a couple of years. That guy cannot be re-signed with a max contract from a quarterback. So that that's that's frustrating. So that is not the right answer, in my opinion, for this organization, right? Then you go and you say, we're going to draft somebody. We should draft somebody. Everyone's excited about young quarterbacks. This year, for whatever reason, the quarterbacks aren't there. The closest guy is Kenny Pickett, who's got a ceiling of a Derek Carr. And so people say, oh, if he's only going to be Derek Carr, then let's sell, then no. 
But because he's going to be so cheap, you can build around that guy. But you need to be patient for that build, right? And you ha- you're, I'm making some assumptions here. I'm making assumptions that you're going to do well in, in terms of free agency moving forward, tally, talent evaluation in the draft, which I understand this organization has not been a, great at, right? But then let's say let's say Pickett isn't there. He's he's like the one quarterback I think that could probably start and be effective as a starter this first year, right? Let's say he's not there. You got to go with a guy like Malik Willis. I'm okay with that, but you need a bridge guy. And I don't want my bridge guy to be $35 million a year. I think you ought to mm-hmm. get sign a guy like Jamarcus, uh, not Jamarcus Russell. Don't sign yeah, him. No, Do no, not sign no, him. No, 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 no. no um, very bad idea. What's very, the name? I'm, I'm James like, Winston. Jameis Winston. You sign Jameis Winston for 12 a year. You let Malik Willis, you let Matt Carell, you let them develop. You ride the uh, the Winston roller coaster for a year, and then you are ready to kind of move this thing forward because you haven't sold the farm to bring in a quarterback. You haven't mortgaged your entire future on someone that you don't love. But because of the pressure fans apply to an organization, and I understand it, man. I understand you want the best. You want to get back to the glory days. You want to win Super Bowls, and you, you want to make sure that – and you want the organization to be progressing in the right direction. I get that. But you cannot do it making poor decisions. And that's something that this organization has done for the last, I don't know, you've been a fan longer than me, 15 years, 20 years. I don't know. How long? How long, Ryan? I mean, it's been 30 years. Yeah, Yeah. 30 years. Making poor decisions financially in free agency with talent evaluation, all those things. And again, I'm making an assumption that this group is the right group. And if you talk to Grant Paulson, he'd say, Logan, you're a big liar because they're not the right group. And I get that. I understand that criticism. But going out and signing a quarterback who cannot elevate a roster at a $40 million a year cap number is not the right solution. That's not it. And I know right. that's the sexy solution, but that's not the right solution. I agree. And, and it, to me, it's simple. Like, there's only so much capital. You have to spend it in ways that are going to ultimately be effective. And when you talk about, like, <laughs> the funny thing is, <laughs> this is my Russell Westbrook argument, <laughs> right? <laughs> Full circle, baby. We We're back, it. Ryan. We, we did it. Two two hours and 40 minutes later. It's like, Russell Westbrook's good, <laughs> right? Yes. But if he is taking the ball to the point that you're like, hey, bro, Kevin Durant's over there. Yeah. Like, he's on your team. Then he's not worth paying the money. This is the, the question the Wizards are going to have to ask about Bradley Beal this summer. Yeah. It's like, Bradley Beal's a really exceptional basketball player. But if you're paying him 35% of your salary cap... Can you win? The answer is no. One thousand percent. And and so when it comes to quarterback, like if you're paying Aaron Rodgers that much and he makes every single offensive player you have better, then yeah, he's worth it because every you know a, a what is a two percent cost piece becomes a five percent production piece. Yes. Right. When it comes to you know a guy like Garoppolo. I, to me, it depends on the price. Like, if you can keep him at the current number and you can add, like... You feel good about like, it. That's, like, right on the verge of, like, you can be competitive. But he's not going to elevate. Yeah, you, and, need and to, so, you need to surround him with, right. with talent. Yeah. Right. And so, it, depending on, you know, obviously, if they re-sign Sheriff or don't, they make a couple of other moves or don't. Um, and, like, they're, th- that's the thing. is like, this team could go in so many directions and... I think also you could go, like, say the Garoppolo direction and be good, mm-hmm. but are you trying to be good, like, make the playoffs and, and be right. maybe competitive like, in a game? what's the point? Or are you trying to set yourself up to win championships? So, is there a quarterback out there that Logan thinks can actually elevate them to championship level? 
Let's find out next. Here, Logan and Craig in for Grant and Danny today on The Fan. discussion in the commercial break. Linnell is now running to get headphones. Oh, come on, Linnell. The 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 debate, eventually I want to get to these rookies, but we can't even decide on, <laughs> like, on potential veteran options and the legitimacy. Ryan, you, dro- you came in during the break and you dropped a bomb. Bomb. Yes. Just dropped it and left. Boom. But then, but then. I just smacked the mic and tried to make say, it. Like say what you said, and then we'll get into the story. What did you say? Well, well, what specific? I said a lot in that break. <laughs> you oh, did. No. And I he, dropped, he comes in I and he dropped goes, a lot. What about Carson Wentz? <laughs> exactly. And then I was like shocked. And then he goes, oh, no, no, but like Linnell is really into it. Yes. <laughs> Linnell's into Carson Wentz. That's, he, just, he literally texted me that during that last segment. It was like. I want Carson Wentz. So that's what he said. Linnell, you said the thing that got me so shook is you said I would prefer Carson Wentz over, over Jimmy. Jimmy Garoppolo. 100%. And I want you to elaborate on that. Why is that? What about Jimmy Garoppolo makes you think that a guy who's got the yips is better than him? <laughs> So you said so you're saying Carson Wentz has the yips. He for sure has the yips. Have you seen him play the last four weeks of the season? Golly. He, he, well, granted, he was not good at the end of last year. Okay. My argument with Carson Wentz, it's so hard for me to forget about what was that, 2016 17, or 2017? Yeah. When he should have been the runaway MVP candidate. He unfortunately tears his ACL. I feel like there's more meat on the bone with Carson Wentz. Like they're still both not where they're gonna be when they're their final form of themselves at the quarterback position. I think Carson still has more upside. But at 29 years old. He just like, was with his daddy, Reich, who drafted him in Philly. He's saying Frank Reich's his daddy. Yeah, he's his daddy. That's his, his daddy. That's his football papa. It's his, his football, football papa, <laughs> right? And he could not make it work. And he's saying, son, I love you, but you got to go. And that is, they run the ball first, a lot of play action. What about this offense and this system makes you think, man, Zampezi's going to get Carson Wentz right? I did name drop Zampezi during the break. You did. Look, I don't have any factual evidence <laughs> as to why just, I just feel a gut, that. a good start just to the a argument. Gut feeling. I just think my gut it's got a little bit of it here <laughs> tells me. Man, if you put him, even if you do, uh, what does Colin Cowherd like to do? Random QB resume. You put up Carson Wentz versus Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been to the Super Bowl twice, try. man. Super Bowl twice with Jimmy Garoppolo. Carson Wentz should have a Super Bowl ring, and he's he been led that team to the Super Bowl basically. Okay. He just didn't play in the most important game leading up to the Super Bowl. And then he hasn't been back to even, like, a shade of that. Because he was in Philly with an old, decrepit roster that they hung on to for too long. This year in Indianapolis, I get it. That That's where you got me. <laughs> he stunk at the end of the year. But I'm saying he's an upgrade over what we have here. Okay. And he's, and he's okay. Than Jimmy All right. So he only threw seven picks last here's year. Here's the thing with Wentz. Wentz is a better version of Taylor Heineke. I like that. Don't compare the Cons- arms, bro. Consider better version of Taylor. Arm. It's like final form. It's like Pokemon, man. He's like the final form of Taylor Heineke. Totally. It's like Charmander, he Charizard, and that's what you get. You get like a yoked up Taylor Heineke, even like the same blonde hair, and you got a cannon for an arm. 
Right? That's what we're saying here. But stylistically, decision-making-wise, they're the same guy. And that is a big issue. Decision-making. Yeah. And Look, I mean, you gonna, strong, are you going to die in your shield? Are you gonna, <laughs> it's not a strong argument. Like, Garoppolo, like I'm reaching at this point. Garoppolo is much more in the Alex Smith camp, where it's like, you can trust him to make good decisions. And, you know, like, look, he's not as good. Alex Smith is like the ultimate version of that. If we're going to continue Pokemon. that. Pokemon. Pokemon there analogy. we go. Final form. Um, you know, Garoppolo. But Garoppolo is a guy that's going to consistently make good decisions. He's got requisite arm strength. He's got great experience. He's been incredibly well coached. He can't stay on the field. Uh, that's that's, 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 true. that's a great point. That's a, uh, that's yeah, a great Carson point. Wentz's injury history is stellar. <laughs> Look, I mean... It's better than Jimmy G, I think. Uh-huh. I don't even know that. I'm not 100% on that. Well, you might want to go back into the update. You also got bench for Jalen Hurts. Just start typing away over there. Uh, but, uh, look, I, I think for the, the the one thing that Linnell will have going for him, unquestionably, on the Wentz versus Garoppolo you know, type of argument is cost. That is true. If they cut Carson Wentz, if they trade for Carson Wentz, I don't know what we're going to talk about next year when I mean, it comes to football. Is it going to be like a fourth round pick, though? I mean, like whatever. But then you, you're you're onboarding. What his is con- what is his contract you know, though? Yeah, yeah you're onboarding the know. contract, which is the issue. If they're going to cut him, which Linnell thinks they're going to, he's got insider information. <laughs> he said, that's on the update anchor. Look. Yeah, that's right. He said they're going to cut him. If that's true, I don't hate this. I hate it if they trade for him. Yeah, Wentz, I hate Wentz, it. Wentz do Ryan? 20- do you hate it? Of course I hate it. It's just I've seen Carson Wentz try to work out in Philadelphia. It did not work. And even with Frank Wright, his football dad, yeah, it did not work in yeah. Indianapolis. So I just don't want to see it because I asked myself this simple question. Does Carson Wentz make this team a Super Bowl contender? And that answer is no. It's the not. list of quarterbacks that make this team a Super Bowl contender are probably like three. The roster's not that good. I, I, I'd be Quite just throwing you. darts over there. Just everyone's <laughs> I mean, getting everyone's getting some shade. The, come the, get the faded by no real the quick. It's not that great to where a quarterback's going to come in and elevate us to a contender. So it that's would true. Have to be but, like Rodgers. But to Ryan's point, I'm saying like maybe not next year, but three years from now, if Carson Wentz is in at a good cap number, can you build around him in three years to get you to a Super Bowl? No. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, but okay. I, I I'm more with Linnell here. I don't think so. But I'm more. I'm like no. Yes. Maybe. But he's I, got the red flag that is my ultimate quarterback red flag, which is like his situational awareness and decision making. It's so true. To, it's so true. To hold to not turn the football over is like, and it doesn't have to be Alex Smith. Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw turn the football over either. Guys who win in this league. Don't give other teams extra opportunities. And Carson Wentz is so good at that. And by, I mean, so terrible that he's so good at giving them opportunities, which is bad for his team. He only threw seven picks last year. They all came in the last four games. They were disastrous. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) When we get back, we'll talk about some of these rookie QBs as well as getting into... The NFL Combine. Is it going to happen with half the guys missing? That's next on The Fan.